What's happening? Welcome to a Friday edition of The People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Busy show on a Friday, as always. A lot coming up today. We'll have Brett Festerling join us in the second half of the show. Mark Schofield will join us in moments to preview Super Bowl 58, or L-V-I-I-I, for you Roman numeralists. Uh, we'll have p- tons of prop bets and discussions throughout the show. One of my favorite shows of the year to do, the Friday before Super Bowl, because we get to talk about the halftime show. Some of the most spirited discussions we've had uh, on my shows in 650 is about the halftime show. Uh, so I'll do that later with Elon, with Victor behind the glass. You can always chime in what you think is going to happen in the big game as well. If you got thoughts on what Usher is going to do at halftime show, text them in. We'll bring them up later on in the show. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We are busy today, so let's get to it right away on the Dispatch Plumbing and Heating Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, uh, with Mark Schofield, who joins us from SB Nation. Usually on a Tuesday, today on a Friday, as we get ready for the Super Bowl, and we'll get into it right away, Mark. Uh, I started the season uh, talking about quarterback and wide receiver combos and you know the best offenses that are in the league, but also you know there's Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, there's, you go through it, and it's like, okay, who, who has the best pairings? And, and who's got the best receiving staff? Dak with CeeDee Lamb and all this sort of stuff. You can go through it. And through it all, even though the Chiefs had no wide receivers and it wasn't overly exciting even going into week one, I came up with Mahomes and Kelsey. Until you knock off the best, they are still number one. And here they are back in the finals. And as much as there's been a revamping of the Chiefs' offense here over the past – four, five weeks, maybe even shorter, three weeks through these playoffs. To me, it's defined by the superhuman nature of the chemistry between Mahomes and Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right, Beck. And, you know, what's amazing is, and we've talked about this sort of over the years, the connection between a quarterback and their favorite receiver, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end, like in this case with Kelsey, it brings sort of on you know, uncertainty to a game, to a game plan if you're the opposing defensive coordinator. And if you think, you know, and this is not something that's new between Kelsey and Mahomes. If you think back to the 13 seconds game between the Bills and the Chiefs, right. you know, when down the stretch there, it was just, they were making it up on the fly. It was just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do this. And Kelsey runs a route and Mahomes puts it between the eight and the seven. It makes it so hard because if you think about it this way, so many defensive playbooks start at the front with the most common route concepts, right? Four vertical, smash, stick, whatever you want to say. And it starts giving the defensive players a window into what they're going to try to do to take those away. Well, when you have a player like Kelsey and a combination like Mahomes and Kelsey who can break those on the fly, where you have a situation where you might have the ideal coverage call to stop the route concept that the Chiefs are running, and in particular, the route that Kelsey is running, and they can just, in the flash, in the blink of an eye, adjust on the fly and beat you, 
that makes it very tough. And you think, well, what do you do? Do you play more man coverage as a result of that? And maybe, but Kelsey's also a very tough man matchup for a lot of defensive players, linebacker safeties and the like. Do you go smaller and put a defensive back on them? Well, sure, okay, and that might sort of take away the coverage aspect, but they'll run the ball, and they've been very effective at running the ball at times. And if you get into a light package because of that reason, it might come back to bite you. But So it, it makes it very tough to defend Mahomes and Kelsey because they have that ability to, even if you've completely lucked out, right? If, if you think about Techno Bowl and way back in the day when you could like guess the defensive play, you know, the offensive play when you're on defense and if you got it right, you were going to get a sack or whatever or an interception no matter what happened. You could have the equivalent of that in the Super Bowl if you're Steve Wilkes and they can still make you wrong. Yeah, just to me, like just hearing you describe it there, it's, it's lifting the lines off the page, right, and, and creating external of what the play design is. But if, if you're on the other side of the ball now and, and, and you're the 49ers, is, is there a specific thing that you're looking at? Is, like who, who's best equipped to kind of match up against him? Is it Fred Warner, which I imagine takes away from so many other capabilities he has? <laughs> is there any specific thing you look at and say, this is the best remedy? I mean, I'm very curious if it is indeed Fred Warner who gets that sort of assignment and particularly not just in man coverage, but something that Warner is so good at is what we sort of call carrying the number three, right? If you think about all the sort of split high safety looks and quarters and too deep and whatever, you know, a lot of those tasks that sort of inside linebacker with whoever the inside receiver is to the three receiver side, typically a tight end often Travis Kelsey, you have to carry that player if they go vertical to split the two deep safeties. And one of the things that Warner is extremely good at is even if that's a wide receiver, he's athletic enough to match that. So there may be many times, even if you know the Niners are in zone coverage on Super Bowl Sunday, where Kelsey might be trying to split those safeties in a two deep look, and it's Warner who's going to be tasked with carrying that vertical route. And so even if it's not as simple as, hey, you know what, Fred, um, we're just going to make you cover him. Like, that's your guy. Even if it's just in a zone coverage situation, you might see Warner matched up on Kelsey in that sort of zone coverage, which becomes almost playing out like man because he's tasked with carrying that route vertically. And so... I, that, my eyes are certainly going to be on 87 and 54, you know, when Kansas City has the football, because I do think there's a potential for Warner in these zone coverage moments, as well as potentially some man coverage situations when they decide to play man, that he's going to draw that assignment. And it will be fascinating to watch because they're two of the best at their respective positions in the NFL. I was saying yesterday, this, this Super Bowl rematch just feels like an inverse of what we saw four years ago because it was that this vaunted Chiefs offense going up against a really, really strong uh, 49ers defense. And I feel like the, the roles have flipped now that it's the, the, the 49ers offense against a really good Chiefs defense. But when, when the Chiefs have the ball, it's, it's still Supernova, Patrick Mahomes. But I, I don't feel like the label is still there for – the 49ers they, they've got some high priced and, and marquee guys but the, the the overall structure of it seems like it has way more gaps than they did four years ago yeah i i think that's right in sort of how you frame this game because you know this is not that chief's offense that we've seen over the years it's not the chief's offense we saw back when these two teams met four years ago it's evolved it's taken on a new shape. It's more, I'd say, efficient than explosive. It still has the ability to be explosive at times, but 
you know, Mahomes intended the air yards this year was 6.6, according to Next Gen Stats. That actually ranked him 40th among quarterbacks in the league. Like, it, it's not the offense that was explosive down the field. It's more efficient. It's more workmanlike, I'd say. Whereas, you know, Purdy, his intended air yards was like 8.3 which was like 14th or something like that, and well ahead of Mahomes. They've got that ability to create some explosive plays, and that's something that I think was missing when these two teams met four years ago. And you certainly have a moment that I think everybody remembers, the Garoppolo miss that could have iced that game for San Francisco, missing on an attempted explosive play. And so, you know, I think that is certainly an aspect to this game, the evolution in the two offenses. But I also think the Chiefs' defense and what they've done you know, certainly what they've done this season is a big part of their story as an organization, as a team, you know, their journey to get here to this game and their ability to confuse, confound, slow down, whatever phrasing you want to use, some very good offenses. I know the weather played a role against Miami, but, you know, you limit the Dolphins to just the one touchdown on an underthrown pass by Tua. You know, what they did against Baltimore and the player we expect, uh, you know, that may ultimately be the MVP when all is said and done. Uh, and Lamar Jackson to hold that offense is just the one touchdown. This is a, a Chiefs defense that has come to play all season long. And they've got an ability to do it different ways. Steve Spagnuolo has an experienced secondary for the most part. You've got some younger players, but they can do a lot with coverage rotations. You know, they will show you one look rotate to something right before the snap and then spin back to that original look. That's something they did to Tua in that wild card game. And it's, you know, a play call where, you know, you're showing one thing and getting back to it after giving the quarterback one more thing to think about. But it makes it very tough for the quarterback and for the receivers as well to figure out what they're up against. And so, you know, these two teams, these two organizations have certainly evolved over these past four years. But I think Kansas City being more of a a team that can win with their defense as well as their offense might be the biggest evolution of them all. Where's the biggest trouble going to be for the 49ers defense along the, the defensive line to try to impact Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, you do wonder about what we're going to see play out on the interior. Obviously, Joe Tooney is dealing with a chest injury and it doesn't look like he's going to go. You know, and so you wonder if they decide if San Francisco does to move some players around up front to try some stunts, some twists, do some different things to try to attack that left guard spot if Tooney is indeed out of the lineup. You know, and if he is, that's going to be a critical thing to watch. You know, because we've talked over the years about interior pressure and how tough that is for a quarterback to deal with. Now, all quarterbacks, you know, pressure off the edges, they can climb, they can move around. Interior pressure is so disruptive because it's quick, because it really disrupts your drop. You know, sometimes if you get that initial interior pressure, you know, it's it's a situation where it really throws the structure of the playoff almost from the snap. And so if indeed Tooney can't go, I do wonder if you're going to see from Steve Wilkes some pressure packages, some different fronts, some guys kicked inside, some different things to attack that left guard spot. And so that's going to be a thing that I will certainly be watching the in the you know hours leading up to the Super Bowl. The other side of the ball is to me where like this is like the real spectacle, not just because it's it's the 49ers offense, but I'm excited to watch Kyle Shanahan versus Steve Spagnuolo because I it feels like. Spagnuolo's maybe taking the title of best, of best defensive coordinator, and here's best play caller in Kyle Shanahan. I'm not sure if that one's going to get disputed very much, but it, the, the, this to me is like the Godzilla let them fight kind of moment here of figuring this out. 
what like evolution do you feel like we'll see during the course of this game of how it starts for for San Fran and how both teams try to counter each other? Yeah, I'm very curious. You know, I, I think if you were to sort of take a step back and say, what are the things we've learned about teams playing the Kansas City Chiefs over the past couple of weeks? And I think the way I'd sort of phrase it is this. The specter of Patrick Mahomes looms large. And I think, you know, if you look back to that division round game where Buffalo had, I believe, 122 or 126, 124. So I, there we go. I finally split the difference there. They had 124 rushing yards in the first half. But they really kind of got away from it a little bit in the second half. The Chiefs are a defense you can run against. But that specter of Mahomes on the opposite sideline makes you think you have to score quickly. You can't give him a chance to, to win the game. You can't give him a chance to, you know, do what they did to you a couple of years ago with the 13 seconds play. You think about the Ravens and just six rushing attempts from their running backs when everybody thought going into that game, they were going to lean into the run game. This is a, a Chiefs defense that has given up 4.5 yards per attempt on the ground this year, which is a number near the bottom of the league. They've got, you know, one of the worst EPAs per rush attempt as a defense in the league. Like, they're well below average in that metric. You can run on this team, but then you've got the specter of Patrick Mahomes and that feeling that you have to put up points. Now you've got Kyle Shanahan that's facing that challenge, right? And it's a play caller that we've seen before in big games in a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51, where they had a chance to salt that game away, and he's still leaning into the pass a little bit. So I'm very curious to see, A, if Shanahan starts out thinking he's going to run the ball, and if so, how Spagnuolo sort of counters that. And if Shanahan, it does indeed start out that way, if Shanahan leans into the run more, sticks with it, or sort of reverts to what we've seen him do in the past and what both Buffalo and, and Baltimore kind of did, which was, you know what, we still got Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline. We still got Travis Kelsey on this other sideline. We've got to score and score in bunches. And so... That's the sort of tension, sort of push-pull that I'm very curious to see play out because I think, look, both of these offenses can run the ball on Sunday because both of these defenses, if they have a, you know a clear weakness, it's against the run. And is there a potential for this to be a shootout? Certainly. I think there's also a potential for this to be more of a slugfest than we might expect given the fact that both defenses might have a weakness against the run. So that's interesting because, you know, traditionally you would say, okay, the, the, the knock has been, you know, for Kyle Shanahan is assaulting away leads. What's happened over the course of these playoffs is, like, they have 14 first-half points through two playoff games. And you just mentioned, like, the specter of Patrick Mahomes there. If if it stagnates at all, that to me is, like, where the the acid test comes to play of, of, of what this 49ers offense because they haven't been good in the first half through, through two weeks. No, they, they haven't. They haven't at all. And, you know, that's where the sort of specter of Patrick Mahomes could really come into play. You know, if you get a situation where, you know, obviously you trailed at halftime against Detroit, but it's it's Jared Goff. You're at home. You know, it's a different set of circumstances. You know, you're now in, in Vegas, sort of a neutral-ish site, although I, I do think, and from what I've been told, it's probably a very heavy 49ers crowd, um, given just the proximity um, but you've got Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline, and that's a different beast altogether. And and so, you know, you don't want to get too much into the sort of psychoanalysis of it all. But if you're down 14, if you're down 17, yeah, you're probably throwing the run game out the window and putting this all in Brock Purdy's hands. And no matter what happens on Sunday, we are in for like six months of Brock Purdy discourse. Like, 
the Niners win going away. They win close. They lose close. They lose in a blowout. It doesn't matter. There's a Brock Purdy discourse awaiting us all. I mean, to that point, I was in New York City on Monday meeting with Williams. They launched their F1 car in New York City, and I was at the Rainbow Room handing out with Alex Albon and Logan Sargent and asking them questions. And Sargent even brought up the Brock Purdy discourse, saying that he gets hate, more hate than he probably deserves. And here you have an F1 driver on the cusp of his own season talking about the Brock Purdy discourse. Like, it's going to be a thing no matter what. That's unbelievable. Uh, all right, so then just on Purdy, because we we're talking about, okay, the success of the run game maybe sets up everything else. The, the past, you know, the, the Lions game, like, he won it with his legs more than he did his arm. But in this scenario... With, with the with the way that the, the Chiefs defend, like what areas of the field are you looking at, or what what concepts are you looking at uh, to say like this is where Brock Purdy will thrive against the Chiefs? Yeah, you know it's an interesting question because you know this is a Chiefs defense that really can play sound in all areas of the field. I mean, if you think back to you know what ba- what Baltimore tried to do against them. You know, they really tried to focus on the boundaries. There were a lot of sort of shot plays along the sideline and really trying to generate some explosives there. You know, this is a defense, a secondary that with the players they have, the talent they have, and the coverage looks they can throw at you, they can take away a lot of what you want to do. But I do think that Shanahan's going to try to attack up the spine. You know, it's something that they've been able to do. It's something that they've done over the course of the season. Like you think about some of the wins that they've had against teams like Philadelphia and Dallas, their ability to attack between the numbers, between the hash marks. You know, that's something that is a strength of this offense. It's how they're sort of built, you know, with the players they have, like Kittle, like Samuel McCaffrey and Juszczyk, and how they can be sort of interchangeable, align in different spots, but then win over the middle of the field, whether as a receiver or running back out of the backfield. Even Brandon Ayuk, a lot of his explosive plays, I was looking at a cut-up of all of his, his explosive plays on, on Thursday, and a lot of them came on dig routes. They're going to try to attack the middle of the field, and it makes sense because you know, a lot of your play-action concepts, you're trying to get those second-level defenders to sort of come downhill a little bit to open up that area of the field. And I think you know, if you were to sit Kyle Shanahan right down right now and say, what's your ideal script, game flow, thing like that, he'd say, yeah, well lean into the run early and get them thinking about the run and get them thinking about McCaffrey and coming downhill. And we're going to sort of create some space and open up some space behind that second level. And then in front of those safeties on some of those routes, I want to then hit off of play action, like the digs, the crossers, you know, the sit routes and things like that. And so I think that's where they're really going to focus. I think that's going to be their game plan, whether they can get it to work or not, obviously remains to be seen. And look, if I'm sitting here saying it, you know, on Super Bowl Eve, Eve, certainly Steve Spagnuolo is going to be thinking about that too. Uh, really quickly then, um, as I mentioned, the legs having such an impact, uh, what will uh, listeners and fans be looking for is how the front will try to contain Birdie as well. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not like a situation where, where you're going up against a Lamar or a Kyler you know, and you want to think, okay, well, you got to be really disciplined in your rush lanes. You might want to even use like what we call a mush rush to kind of just keep that quarterback in the pocket. But at the same time, it's certainly something you have to be aware of. It's also not a situation where I think you're going to see a spy on him at times, or you're afraid to play man coverage at times because of, you know, the threat where you turn your back on, he's going to run. But to that last point, that is what happened against Detroit. Like there were a lot of moments when, 
he had those scrambles in the second half. He had one for 23, another for 21, where it was they went man, options one, two, three weren't there, and he pulled it down. So it's going to be a sort of, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best then when they play a man coverage because I'm not sure, given the talent that they have, when Spagnolo goes man coverage, he's going to want to take a player, you know, a Legereus Sneed or, you know, Tranquil if he's in the game at linebacker or somebody else and just have them spy Brock Purdy, which means you're leaving somebody in a one-on-one situation with the talented monsters that they have in that offense. And so it's a, you know, when you call man coverage, you kind of cross your fingers and hope situation. But up front, you know, I, I'm wondering if Chase Young has a big game. You know, no, no, not Chase Young. George Kaloftis has a big game in this one. You know, if it's a situation where, you know, you know Jones is going to get a lot of attention on the interior, does Kaloftis have a big game? Does he get a couple of sacks on Purdy to sort of tamp down his ability to create with his legs, to tamp down that ability of him to turn a third and seven when you've got the first three options covered into a first down because of his legs? And so, you know, when they do go man coverage, I'm wondering if, you know, the, the parallel to that is a stunt or a twist or something up front to try to get a free run at Purdy. So if the options aren't there, he doesn't have a chance to escape. Uh, all right, Mark, it all boils down to uh, one pick. Uh, Got to get your thoughts. Uh, where are you going here? You know, after the conference games ended, you know, my gut reaction was 27-24 Kansas City, and I haven't really come off of that. Right. Um, you know, I'm somebody that picked against Kansas City when they played Buffalo. I picked against Kansas City when they played Baltimore. I've been burned twice. Maybe third ties of charm. I don't know. But I just, the evolution of this Chiefs offense over the past couple of seasons and really in a concentrated manner these past couple of weeks, as well as what this Chiefs defense has done, it's been very impressive. Now, look, I, I, I can certainly see any sort of scenario here. And absolutely, the San Francisco 49ers can win this game. And I know a lot of people will be picking them. But... I just think the way that this Chiefs team has evolved this season, these past couple of weeks, gives them a very good chance to win on Sunday. You're the best, man. Uh, We will uh, talk about it next week and uh, see uh, how it all shakes out. Looking forward to it already, my friend. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the commercials. Enjoy it all. It's a great Sunday. We love it, and I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. There he is, Mark Schofield, a good friend from SB Nation, joining us Joining us at Mark Schofield. Uh, usually chat quarterbacks with them, but a uh, full breakdown of everything that's going down uh, potentially this Sunday. Uh, all right, let's get into it. It's Big Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. For the official record... The game will be the only pick counted against the record, but we'll give you some game props through the course of it. Uh, 57, 57, and 6 on the year. So I'm 500. It all comes down to one game. Am I going to be above 500, below 500? We'll get to the the pick in just a minute. Uh, But some props I'm keeping an eye at. Purdy, over 3.5 rushing attempts, plus 125. Game script means everything here. I think this is also we're just chatting with Mark, just the fact that he can use his legs now and and thinking about using his legs i love the way that he obviously you know changed that game uh in the conference championships but i think the passing game is going to be vital for the 49ers more so than the rushing game which is why i'm taking christian mccaffrey under 89 and a half yards as well 
we're sticking with the rushing as well. Pacheco, over 18 and a half rushing attempts. Also with Christian McCaffrey, it's not as if he's not going to touch the ball. It's not I'm saying the, the Chiefs are going to shut down the run, but I'll take Christian McCaffrey over five and four and a half receptions. He's, he's getting the ball just through the air. Maybe short little dump-offs behind the line of scrimmage. He scampers thereafter, but over four and a half receptions. And I'll also go George Kittle over 21 and a half longest reception for George Kittle. So just some props there. I'm steering clear of any Travis Kelsey ones, unless you can get like an alternate line of plus 250 of Travis Kelsey over 90 yards, something like that. He averages like 98 yards these last four seasons in the playoffs. But as far as the game pick, Chiefs plus two and a half versus the 49ers. I've used this rule a lot of Mahomes under a field goal. I'll, I'll just blindly take it. Well, Mahomes is an underdog. I'm going to blindly take it in this spot. Reed on the bye also. Yes, Kyle Shanahan also on the bye too. But just the extra week for Andy Reed, what it means for the, the game planning. And we kind of touched on it there with, with Mark. The interior pressure, what happens on the right side of that 49ers line. It's going to be really interesting. I think this game, as always, one in the trenches. What happens if the game script is neutral? Does the 49ers pass rush get after him? Hargrave on the inside, that's going to be massive. Mentioned the other day, Bosa, if he gets four, five, six pressures, what does that do for the 49ers' chances? That, to me, is where this game is won and lost, is what the 49ers' pass rush is able to do if the game script is suited to them. If the Chiefs run the ball, that's a big issue. But it's interesting on the other side of the ball how they line up and where the pressure is going to come from against Brock Purdy. Are, are we going to see a lot of blitzes? And with the way the Chiefs defend the back end, they got some studs back there. Reed, McDuffie, on and on. If they are able to slow or at least minimize explosives, does that define what the 49ers are able to do offensively? Are they going to be able to matriculate the ball? Is there going to be more pressure on Brock Purdy uh, from – blitzes if the Chiefs minimize explosives that to me is a huge huge win for them ultimately it's Mahomes and Kelsey it's what I'm coming back to every single time they've shown that they are the cheat code to the NFL they transcend just regular play design they transcend just logic sometimes that third and five that the completion in the AFC championship game it's different for those two guys they always come up with the answer no matter the situation 13 seconds bad field doesn't matter they figure it out I'm taking the points Chiefs win the Super Bowl 27 20 there's big six to wrap up the season we'll do the halftime props at the end of the show uh, on the way, though, Brett Fesseling joining us to talk about that game last night and uh, sorting out what's uh, important for the Vancouver Canucks. Did the All-Star break cool them off? You know, when, you, when you're on a heater, you don't get up from the table. The All-Star break, did it cool them off? Uh, we'll talk about it with Brett Fesseling on the other side here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.